Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So this week we continue our sermon series, Praying the Jesus Way. Last week we started the series by looking at the opening to this prayer where Jesus allows us to know that we have a Father in heaven. And while our Father is all-powerful, He's a Father who wants to have that close relationship with you. And equally, we should be looking to hallow God's name, that we should be keeping it set apart and holy, that we do that with our mouths, but also with our actions, that we would act to honor God in every aspect of our lives. We've moved past this idea that the Lord's Prayer is just something that, of a short prayer with uh, these amazing words in it that we say every week near the beginning of our worship services. And we realize that it is this wonderful pattern for prayer. Our entire prayer lives. That as we approach God in prayer, we should start from that place of remembering that our God is awesome and powerful, but that he wants that close relationship, calls us his children, and that we keep God's name holy. And this week we move on to the next line, which says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we say your kingdom come and your will be done, we might have this picture in our head of what that looks like. It might be that we have this picture of God's kingdom army just ready to pounce into our world. That we say this prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done and that's it. That we're petitioning God to do something and we just step back. But if there's anything that that we've probably learned over the years is that, that there's no such thing as a, as a passive prayer. Prayer is a conversation that both parties should come out of that being changed. It's not passive. It's not just a case of us waiting for God to do something, that these words come out of our mouths and we just wait. Now, what we're saying is that when we say your kingdom come and your will be done, we're saying, Jesus, you can rule over my life. Jesus, use me to break more of the kingdom into our world right here and right now. That we would be used to usher that in. We can clearly see Throughout the Gospels, Jesus' message, his entire message, in fact, his whole ministry, 
is focused on the kingdom of God, that people would understand it, that people would accept it, and they would have this access to a loving God and a life in eternity. He teaches his disciples and his followers what this kingdom of God was. Not so much that they would understand it, that they would have a peace about death and that they would go to glory and that they would be fine. But he wanted them to understand what it meant now to live as if we are in the kingdom. That you would be able to move forward right now and live like you are in the kingdom. That they would have that kingdom mentality and values and the culture that comes associated with it. Jesus was so focused on ensuring that we would know more about it so that we'd be able to step into it and live in it now, even although our world is a broken one. That when we look out into our world and we shake our head, he wants us to live as if we are in the kingdom now. And Christians, followers of Jesus, are tasked with ushering in more of that kingdom. That our world would eventually become more and more like it was supposed to be for Jesus' return. And while I was preparing this week, I came across something that I thought was a, a perfect illustration of our world. I was looking at a little article that was speaking about um, Laos and Vietnam, these two groups of people, and there was this conflict between the two over who would have authority over that region. And as time went on and as the conflict rumbled on, those that felt an allegiance to Laos started to eat only short grain rice. Those who felt an allegiance to Vietnam ate only long grain rice. Those that felt an allegiance to Laos had their houses raised up off the ground and they were up on stilts. Those who felt an allegiance to Vietnam had their houses on the ground, no stilts. Those that followed the Laotian kingdom would decorate all their buildings with images of serpents. That was their sign of allegiance. And those that followed Vietnam, well, they decorated their buildings with dragons instead. That's what distinguished them from each other. You see, although they were in the same geographical area, their allegiance was born out of a culture and a value that they were able to buy into. They'd created that divide. That was what their allegiance was built on. Not geography, but culture and values. Things that chimed with them. Things that they were able to be defined by. That was what made them eat a particular kind of rice or paint a dragon or a serpent on the side of their house. And the thing is, as Christians, we come under and pledge our allegiance to the kingdom of God, and our king is Jesus. And we do that because there is a culture, there are values that we want to follow. They chime with us, so we pledge our allegiance to the kingdom of God. 
not with dragons or serpents or anything like that. We have values like compassion, where our heart breaks for those who are breaking. We read loads of times in the scriptures of Jesus encountering people who are hurting for so many different reasons. And we read that he's deeply upset by it. He wants to help. There's so many things in our world that break our hearts and we pray for them each week. We have a prayer meeting on a Wednesday and we have so many things that there's no way we could get through it all. But as we pray, we also look to try and do things to physically help people. We're able to read so many stories of our Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that are going through so much persecution, all because of their decision to live in the kingdom of God and follow Jesus. Our heart breaks for them. And we're so thankful for charities like Release International, Tear Fund, and so many others who are out highlighting and working with and on behalf of our Christian brothers and sisters all over the world. But equally in this kingdom, we are called to follow the Prince of Peace. So as followers of Jesus, we place a high value on peace. There should be peace in the kingdom. That when we look out into our world and we see conflict, we want to not only just resolve it, but we want to usher in a world where conflict is no more. And that all people would be reconciled to one another. We want to help one another. Because there is no one that came to Jesus who was in need that went away without being helped. As his followers, we need to take that on board. That when people come to us in need, that we, if we're able to, that we reach out and we give them a helping hand. Those are values in the kingdom. And the thing is, they can be very difficult to live up to. Especially so when we try to do it on our own, when we try and walk away and try and do it all by ourselves. But we don't walk alone. You know, not only do we have Jesus walking with us, but as I highlighted in yesterday's email, my little message in the email, we're called to be in community with one another. We're a community, a group. We need to place a high value on community. And one of the things that I fell in love with when I came to Stonelaw and I had those first conversations with people, it was clear to me that community hadn't died here. It didn't die here. You cared for one another. You helped one another. It's wonderful, truly wonderful. But unfortunately, in our country and indeed the whole world, this idea of community is starting to be eroded away. You know, the rise of 
individualism is strong. My own life is mine and to hang with anybody else. There's still a real sense of community here in the church. And the thing is, we shouldn't be weirded out by that. It's not a surprise that it's hung on longer here. Because as followers of Jesus, we're going to be spending an entirety, an eternity, as part of a much wider community for the rest of our lives with Jesus. We get to spend eternity with him and with so many other people, people we haven't even met yet. We're called to be in community. But even with that, we are created for community now. That's why it's so important that we gather regularly together. And as we worship here as a church, I don't fully subscribe to the modern mantra that goes along the lines of, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Sure, you can read the Bible by yourself. You can pray by yourself. You can watch many videos on YouTube or listen to podcasts or read as many books as you like. But I can bet that it's only a small percentage of what you would receive as being part of a wider community. Whether that's here in the sanctuary or whether it's at home on Zoom and staying behind to, for fellowship in the breakout room. Community is important. And we need to make sure that we're placing a high value on that and making sure that the community spirit is still alive in here and transports out there. That we refuse to, to only think of ourselves. This rise of individualism. That we kick back against it. It's not of the kingdom of God. That as we go out and we, we share this culture and values and this high value that we place on community, that people out there who don't know about the kingdom of God or its king yet would have a better understanding of it through us. That despite our differences and our different backgrounds, we come together as a community who care for one another. We love one another. We want to help each other. Our heart breaks when someone within the community's heart breaks. And when we start to do this, we're very much physically and practically sharing the gospel with people. We share the good news of Jesus in our actions. You see, some people are great at sharing Jesus with their mouths. They're just wonderful evangelizing people. They're able to speak about Jesus to anyone. But the thing is, I can bet that if you are placing a high value on the things like compassion and peace and helping others, developing and nurturing community, people are noticing. People see something different. They're different to the social norms. They're beginning to see Jesus in you. They'll maybe ask you, why do you care? And that gives you that opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God with other people. You can say, God loves me, 
and he loves you. And because God loves me, I want to help you. I care about you. And it's not easy to do all of those things. Place a high value on these things. The world resists it. It's incredibly difficult to continue on with this. So we need to do things that will make that easier. We need to learn to forgive. And we'll look at that in greater detail in a couple of weeks' time. And when Jesus is on the cross and he's looking down, and despite all the things that happened to him, he utters those words, forgive them, Father. Jesus isn't saying what happened to him was okay. And it's not to say that things that happen to us are okay. That if people have treated us poorly or made us to feel a certain way, that that's okay. It's not. However, the thing is, if we forgive, it's an opportunity in the kingdom of God to let go of that thing that will burn away or eat at you, causing us to, to be bitter. It's something that will free us up and in turn cause us to be the best version of ourselves. Forgiveness is not about saying that it's okay to be treated poorly and that we just accept it and the things that are done to us. It's actually about letting it go and allowing yourself to move forward. You see, through our faith, we can have this surefire understanding that when we have forgiven someone or something and we move forward, that God is going with us, that God is going to help us to move forward in those circumstances. You know, I spoke a little bit last week about humility and how we need to have humility when it comes to praying to our Father in heaven. And I refer to it as lessening our own hold on things and handing it over to God, allowing his control and guidance to have a greater influence over our lives. And humility isn't about thinking about yourself as some kind of lesser person. You know, we fall into that pattern. It's just about thinking about yourself less and having a focus on the needs of others. And the thing is, as Scottish people, we're really, really good at taking ourselves down, aren't we? You know, someone will say, you've done a really great job there. And rather than say thank you, we tend to get embarrassed and we might bat it away and say, well, oh, you know, it was, it was okay. And we think that that's humility, but it's not. That's not what humility is. It might be embarrassment. It might be that we want to shy away from, from being in the limelight. It might even be that we're trying to protect ourselves from the, the tall poppy syndrome that, again, Scottish people seem to be really good at. But as soon as we are praised for something, we start to panic and wonder because we know that behind the scenes there's probably a few other people just plotting our downfall. We're good at that. My grandmother was great at it. And it usually came under the category of, you know, we want to keep people grounded. That person needs to be grounded. They need to remember where, where they've came from. That was, my, that was my grandmother's phrase. 
need to remember where you came from. He says, I know where I came from. It's not humility. Regardless of what we do in those situations, it isn't humility in a kingdom sense. Because kingdom humility is about recognizing that you are a loved child of God. A God who looks upon you and does think you're amazing. Hear that this morning. God looks upon you as a father and sees you as an amazing child. It's about seeing that Jesus sees you as an amazing person. But it's about continuing on and not dwelling too much on that. You then think about how you can serve in the kingdom. How can you serve another person as a thank you for that love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus? So it's not about thinking of yourself in any kind of high thing. It's also not thinking less of yourself. But it's about being in this state of thankfulness and wanting to help. And I was watching a video the other day and it was a, a man who was speaking and he was asked what his secret was because he always seemed so cheery and that he had it all figured out and all his ducks were in, in a row. And he admitted in that interview and he said, you know, I don't have it all together. You know, there's some days it's a real struggle. But one of the things that I do every single day is that I give thanks to God for five things. As soon as I wake up in the morning, as soon as I wake up, first thing I do is give thanks for five things. It's the first thing he did. And he acknowledged that there were some mornings that he would wake up and the first thing he wanted to do was pull the cover back over his head. He did not want to wake up. But he said once he started to learn to say I'm thankful for these five things, he realized that he got out of bed far more positively than he normally would. And certainly more positively than when he went into the bed. If we're thankful for the blessings that God has given us in our lives, it's far easier to get up and at it in the morning. Step into and place a high value on the things of the kingdom because we're in that place of thanking God for the blessings in our life. That we find it easier to, to have compassion, to pursue peace and to help other people. But even more than all of that, there is a kingdom culture that we step into. If we place a high value on that as part of a community, it makes it easier to do these things. And the thing is, as I've spoken about, when you do them in community, it's so much easier because we are able to encourage and be encouraged by others when we need it. We're able to help and be helped when we need it. I think it's the most important tool we have in our toolbox as Christians is prayer. 
We know that Jesus always went off to, to pray to his Father. It's important that we do that too. That we're in contact regularly with our Father in heaven. But it's also why our weekly prayer meeting is so important. It's important to us as a church because we're gathering as a community to learn more about what and why prayer is important as well as pray for the, the needs of each other and for the, the wider congregation, people that are connected with our congregation, our entire world. It allows us to have that time together with God. Also here, gathering for worship on a Sunday, helping to develop that sense of, of community. It's here that we step into that line of the Lord's Prayer. As we come together for worship, we have this opportunity to catch some of the kingdom as we offer ourselves to God. We're saying to God, use us. Here I am. If you look at the passage that's right after Jesus' teaching here on prayer, he starts talking about fasting. And for most people, that is that you give up food. You know, you, you fast from, from food. And there's plenty of examples of it in the scriptures. But for me, fasting can be much more than just food. It's about giving up something so that you can use that time and that energy that you would have used doing that thing, but actually spending it with God, whether that's in prayer, whether it's in worship, whether it's reading the Bible. They all work together to help us understand more about the kingdom, the character of God, the love that God has for us and that he's shown in the, the person, the life and the sacrifice of Jesus. It also helps us in coming to that full realization that when we say we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done, that each one of us has a part to play within it. You know, I say it all the time. Each and every one of us has a ministry. Ministry is serving God and serving others for God. It's not only about studying theology or training or getting a dog collar. Sure, that's a specific ministry that I was called to. However, each and every one of us has a sphere of influence, people that we come into contact with, whether it is family or friends, whether it's people at work, people at school or, or university. We all have people that we come into contact with that we're called to be Jesus' hands and feet to. This is our opportunity to usher in more of the kingdom around the people that are in our sphere of influence. I remember speaking at an induction a few years ago and I spoke to that congregation about love and how love spreads. But I also said the flip side to that is that bitterness and hatred spread too. And that our priority needs to be that we are spreading love, that we hand it on to others, that we've received God's love 
And it's our opportunity to usher more of the kingdom in by passing that same love on to others. Because you see, that's God's will. When we say God's will be done, God's will is for us to share the good news of Jesus with people. To let people know that they have a God who loves them and that he shows us that in that person of Jesus, opening up that relationship that can never be broken. See, there's no broken relationships in the kingdom. Secured by Jesus. So the next time that we pray the Lord's Prayer, let's be mindful that when we say your kingdom come and your will be done, that it's not a passive thing where we are just waiting for God to do something, but it's an opportunity for us to respond, to help usher in more of the kingdom here on earth. An opportunity for us to say, Jesus, you are my king, and I want more of your kingdom to break through here in Rutherglen, or wherever it is that you are. Because that's God's will. And we pray every week that God's will will be done right here in this place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're a king and that you call us to serve your kingdom. A kingdom that has no boundaries, no borders. And while we don't mark ourselves with serpents or dragons, we pray that by your spirit, we would fully embrace these kingdom values of compassion and peace and helping others. That we would create time to spend in worship and prayer we would read more about you in the Bible so that we could fulfill that amazing call that you've left with us. That we would fully understand what it means to serve in your kingdom and what it means to see and ask for the strength to usher in more of it here in this place. That through our actions, more would know of your love for them, more would know of your glory, and more would enter into that relationship with you. For then your will will be done here as it is in heaven. All of this we ask in your precious and mighty name. Amen.